0: the truth news network george soros funded organizations buying up conservative radio stations to silence them amazon and google threatening to block twitter if musk opens the platform to counter opinions seeing a pattern yet well they can try but the truth will always find a way and this is tnn the truth news network With your guide, Dan Newman.
1: And someone much smarter than me once said, you will find the truth and the truth will call them out. In other words, the truth, it is an absolute and it exists in an absolute environment. Nobody owns the truth. That's a misnomer we're hearing all the time. Oh, you know, I've got my truth you've got your truth. Let's just agree that we'll each have our own truth and move on down the road. Who invented that? Who came up with that crazy, unrealistic idea? Can you imagine really living in a world like that where everybody had the unfettered right to just say, hey, this is truth, and it doesn't matter what you think, I believe this, so that means it's truth. If you don't believe my truth, you can have your truth. Truth exists in a vacuum. And boy, do we need to pierce that vacuum today. Oh my gosh, I just can't believe what's happening in Washington, D.C. And I know we say that almost every day. But it's truer and truer literally every day. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. There are several 900-pound gorillas in America's room And I'm, of course, figuratively speaking, we've got this stinking hurricane that is literally about to obliterate parts of Florida if it doesn't change its course a little bit and go north. This is Ian. This hurricane is one of the most powerful hurricanes ever. And I got to be honest with you, I'm not saying that uh, braggadociously or intellectually outside of the fact that I'm from South Louisiana. My family, we were one of those stay-in-place, shelter-in-place families. We never one time, I lived in Lafayette, 50 miles from the Gulf of Mexico, and right at the top of where it looked like and it seemed like every hurricane came. Now, this is back in the early 60s. We didn't have the ability to really track hurricanes. Our National Weather Service didn't have uh, the particular machinery and technology that they have today to give us all that real information. They just scared us to death. The local weatherman scared us to death. I mean, literally, you're going to die if you stay in Lafayette, Louisiana for this one. And I'll never forget, it was before my memories, but Hurricane Audrey, my parents told me about it. It killed several hundred people. In southwest Louisiana, in Calcasieu Parish, down below Lake Charles, it killed them because they didn't even know a hurricane was coming. Nobody even was given the option to leave, and so they stayed, and they drowned, almost every one of them drowned. We're so blessed to have the technology now where we can kind of put some of this, a bunch of this to the side, and just get out of Dodge. If you're listening in today, and I just talked to a, I guess my best friend down in Sarasota, Florida, who is sheltering in place, uh, they have a generator, they're prepared for this. Most Floridians, to some degree, prepare for these kind of storms. And I talked to him and said, "Do you need anything?" And he kind of chuckled, <laughs> and he said, "If I did, it's a little be late. It's a little bit late to be talking to you on the phone about it because you can't do anything about it." If you're listening, don't try to get out now. You just need to make the best of where you are. Probably should have gotten out yesterday. You chose not to. That's between you and your maker. And you may be meeting your maker a little sooner than you planned on it. <laughs> Depends on Hurricane Ian. Uh, Ian. Ian. Where did I get that? Well, let me tell you, there is a lot of stuff brewing on the international stage today. And we're going to start our show with probably the scariest, spookiest thing I have seen in probably 20, 25 years. Maybe the aftermath of 9-11 was a little more spooky and scary because there were so many moving parts. So much that we did not know and it took us a long time to get actual facts. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think we ever got facts. I think we got a narrative that was put together to pacify people like you and me, but that's a story for another day. What's so scary, Dan? Well, something happened in Northern Europe yesterday, regardless of what we think about it, what we may um, suggest may be an outcome or two of what happened there. There is something sinister amiss. It has to do with Russian President Vladimir Putin. It has to do with Northern Europe, principally Germany. And it has to do with the United States of America. I haven't seen anybody else in US media other than Tucker Carlson last night, late last night, weigh in on what happened. And I'm kind of setting a stage for you because I want to play exactly what transpired on Tucker's show last night on Fox News because he was the first and the only one I've heard that addressed it and really did an analysis, a 360-degree analysis of what it's about, what happened, and what it could portend for you and me. So we're seven minutes into our show. I think everybody that uh, is going to get in is already in. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to sit down and shut up and let Tucker Carlson give us the facts about what he understands and what he knows. You'll hear the president, and you'll hear another really high-up lady from the State Department weigh in on this, and they're weighing in on what happened yesterday. They kind of told us it probably would happen 10 months ago.
2: Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson. Tonight, you hate to start a Tuesday evening on a grim note, but one of the environmental catastrophes, one of the great environmental catastrophes of our time, is unfolding tonight off the coast of Denmark. The Nord Stream pipelines, which are enormous Russian owned conduits that carry natural gas from Russia to Western Europe, have been breached. As we speak, Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 are pouring millions of cubic meters of natural gas into the Baltic Sea. Pictures from the air, which you can now see on your screen, show a toxic bubble field more than half a mile wide. You can only guess at how many marine mammals are being killed right now, countless. But the lasting damage may be to the atmosphere. Natural gas is comprised of up to 90% methane. Methane, as Joe Biden has often told you, is the key driver of global warming, which is, of course, an existential threat to humanity and the planet. So if you're worried about climate change... What just happened to the Nord Stream pipelines is as close to the apocalypse as we have ever come. So the question is, how did this happen? And it turns out it was not an accident. At the very same time that leaks in these pipelines were detected, Swedish officials recorded two powerful undersea explosions, each one of which was equivalent to hundreds of pounds of TNT. Nothing in nature can account for that. Almost immediately, the pipelines began leaking in three separate places. So there's only one explanation for what happened. This was an act of industrial terrorism. That was very obvious to the prime minister of Poland, and he wasted no time in saying so. Watch. Today, we are also dealing with an act of sabotage. We do not know the details of what happened yet. But we can clearly see that it is an act of sabotage, an act that probably marks the next stage in the escalation of the situation we are dealing with in Ukraine. We can clearly see, he said, this was an act of sabotage, an act of terrorism. Well, yes, we can see that. So the question is who did it? And of course, the prime suspect is obvious. It would be the same man who caused domestic inflation here in the U.S. and stole the 2016 election from Hillary Clinton. That'd be Vladimir V. Putin. The Washington Post got right to it. Putin, they declared, is now weaponizing the Nord Stream pipelines. According to the Canadian ambassador to the UN, Vladimir Putin has decided to use, quote, pollution as an act of war. Progressive Twitter strongly endorsed this conclusion. Putin did it. And that makes sense until you thought about it for just a moment. Vladimir Putin may be evil. They tell us that he is evil. But is he stupid? Probably isn't stupid. And yet, and here's the strange part, if you are Vladimir Putin, you would have to be a suicidal moron to blow up your own energy pipelines. That's the one thing you would never do. Natural gas pipelines are the main source of your power and your wealth, and most critically, your leverage over other countries. Europe needs your energy, now more than ever with winter approaching. If you can't deliver that energy, then countries like Germany have no need to pay attention to what you want. You're in the middle of a war, an all-hands-on-deck war, so you need all the leverage you can get. Under these circumstances, there is no chance you would blow up Nord Stream 1 or 2. Not now, obviously. In fact, it's so obvious that even our famously dim Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, seemed to acknowledge it. Sabotaging Nord Stream, he said today, is, quote, clearly in no one's interest. Right, but really only half right. It is true that blowing up Nord Stream does not help Vladimir Putin. He would not do that. Why would he? But that doesn't mean that other countries wouldn't consider doing it. They would consider it. And we know they have considered it because at least one of them has said so in public. In early February, less than three weeks before the war in Ukraine began, Joe Biden suggested on camera that he might take out these pipelines.
3: Watch. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the
2: Notice how he phrased that. And he's the president, doesn't phrase things by accident, particularly when he's reading off cards. He didn't say, I will pause the delivery of gas from Russia to Germany. He said, there won't be a Nord Stream 2. We'll put an end to it. We'll take it out. We'll blow it up. How will you do this? He was asked. I promise you, we will be able to do it. They thought this through. And yet those watching, very much including us, didn't take Biden seriously when he said it. This is the president who has declared climate change the most pressing emergency in the history of the world. This is the man who lectures you about using a wood stove or driving an SUV because of its emissions. This is the guy who spent billions trying to mitigate cow flatulence because methane. Would that guy really blow up a methane pipeline in the middle of the Baltic Sea? It was hard to imagine. That would be an unimaginably reckless act. That would be the kind of thing you would do if you wanted to start a nuclear war. It would be insane. And yet, in retrospect, it's obvious they were thinking about this because Joe Biden wasn't the only person to suggest it. Toria Newland at the State Department said pretty much the very same thing. Newland is a lifelong war cheerleader. She worked to bring about the Iraq invasion, never apologized, kept going. She helped engineer the coup that overthrew the Ukrainian government some years back. So capable, clearly she's capable of anything. But environmental terrorism? Even for Toria Newland, that seemed too much, too extreme. And yet here she is in January.
4: With regard to Nord Stream 2, uh, we continue to have uh, very strong and clear conversations uh, with our German allies, and I want to be clear with you today. If Russia invades Ukraine, one way or another, Nord Stream 2 will not move forward.
2: One way or the other, we'll stop Nord Stream. And looking back, those words seem chilling eight months later as natural gas pours into the Baltic Sea and into the atmosphere. So you have to ask, could the Biden administration really do something like this? We can't say for sure. We don't know for sure. We can tell you that close allies of the Biden White House believe they certainly did do it. Radek Sikorsky is a Polish politician. He's chairman of the EU-USA delegation in the European Parliament. He's connected. He's also the husband of regime stenographer Ann Applebaum, of the Atlantic magazine. Sikorsky is so close to Joe Biden that he's got a picture of the two of them together in his Twitter profile. So when the pipelines blew up, Sikorsky responded immediately. And here's what he wrote. Thank you, USA. So once again, did the Biden administration really do this? It's hard to believe. Given that it's an atrocity, it's effectively an act of terrorism, we don't want to make that accusation. But we should tell you that, maybe not coincidentally, Today, a brand new pipeline was unveiled, a pipeline that carries non-Russian natural gas in roughly the same area as Nord Streams 1 and 2. This is called the Baltic Pipe. It was inaugurated in Poland. It will carry natural gas from Norway through Denmark to Poland and other countries nearby. And it's likely to do very well since now it has less competition. Making sense? What does the White House say about this? How are they accounting for what happened today? Well, they're not exactly enthusiastically denying responsibility for it. Instead, they're looking at the upside. Here's the president's publicist noting that the destruction of yet another energy pipeline is yet another opportunity for you to buy an electric car.
4: Uh, as you all know, these pipelines weren't pumping gas into Europe at this time. Uh, NS2 was never operational, as you guys know. NS1 has not been operational for weeks because uh, Putin has weaponized uh, energy. And we have said this many times before. This just drives home the importance of our efforts to work together to get alternative gas uh, supplies to Europe and to support efforts to reduce gas uh, consumption, and accelerate true energy independence by moving
2: to clean energy uh, economy oh moving to clean energy say the people who very may well be responsible for letting methane into the baltic sea and into the atmosphere at a scale that most people can't imagine the people lecturing you about your suv may have blown up a natural gas pipeline and created one of the great catastrophes of our time and its effect on the environment. If they did this, this will be one of the craziest, most destructive things any American administration has ever done. But it would also be totally consistent with what they do. What do they do? They destroy. These people build nothing, not one thing. Instead, they tear down and they desecrate from historic statues to the Constitution to energy infrastructure. And no one in Congress is trying to stop any of it. They're just preparing for the inevitable fallout. Tonight, the Senate just advanced a spending bill with $35 million for the Department of Energy to, quote, prepare for and respond to potential nuclear and radiological incidents in Ukraine. What? The spending bill also brings the total U.S. expenditure on Ukraine, the war, but also funding its government and energy for Ukraine, to $67 billion on the eve of what could be a massive economic disruption. Here, to our economy, $67 billion. How much is that? Well, it's more than Russia's entire military budget last year. And Congress is expected to fully pass the bill later this week with Republicans nodding along like the zombies they are. What will be the effect of this? Every action has a reaction, equal and opposite. Blow up the Nord Stream pipelines? Okay, we've entered a new phase. One in which the United States is directly at war with the largest nuclear power in the world. doesn't mean it will go nuclear immediately, but it does suggest there could be consequences. If we actually blew up the Nord Stream pipelines, why wouldn't Russia sever undersea internet cables? What would happen if they did that? What would happen if banks in London couldn't communicate with banks in New York? Just that one piece of it leaving aside its potential effects on our power grid. But let's just say the banks couldn't communicate with each other for one day. What would the economic effect of that be? Oh, we would cascade downward into your house. We could have an actual collapse. We could wind up very quickly in third world conditions. Those are the stakes. Have the people behind this, the geniuses like Toria Newland, considered the effects? Maybe they have, maybe that was the point. Subscribe to the Fox News
1: YouTube channel to catch our nightly opens. story. There you go. Unbelievable. If you just joined us, maybe you joined us in the middle of that opening uh, segment from Tucker, Tucker Carlson on Fox News last night. Both Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 pipelines, the pipelines that are carrying gas, Well, Nord Stream 2, I don't believe is activated yet, but Nord Stream 1 is. Gas from Russia to Northern Europe. Yesterday, both pipelines were basically blown up deep in the bowels of the Baltic Sea. Don't have any details yet, but the fingers are pointing. And the reason they're almost certain it was not an accident is because they were blown up in three different places, the pipeline, three different places along a long trek under the waves of the Baltic Sea. So who could be responsible? Well, our president threatened specifically, he threatened Vladimir Putin before Putin invaded Ukraine, that if he did go into Ukraine, if he did, that the United States would do things with Nord Stream to make it untenable for the Russian dictator. And then it was doubled down by a member, a senior staffer in the U S state department. So now that seed, probably at the very beginning of it, when he found out his Nord Stream one was blown up, Vladimir Putin felt like, aha, the U S is involved. And again, I don't think you heard that one particular thing that really makes it a probability The fact that yesterday, on the same day, Nord Stream 1 and 2 were blown up. A brand new pipeline went live. A pipeline from Norway, under the Baltic Sea, to Germany, not going through Russia. So, Vladimir Putin's number one energy source and dollar source, Nord Stream 1 and 2, is out of business don't know any of the details, don't know what happened, and don't certainly know what it will take to get it back online if it can be gotten back online. And on the same day that happens, a brand new pipeline opens to give Germany access to natural gas and therefore Northern Europe, other countries, that yesterday Vladimir Putin controlled. Today, Norway, Germany control it. Well, my first thought when I heard this last night, I I immediately came into the studio, logged into my iMac and started doing research. I couldn't find anything about it. Nobody on television that late in traditional news had anything about it. I got up early again this morning, really early, five o'clock central time and started digging. No specific news out there. But folks in Europe are raising the alarm over it. And um, here's a European report that came out in the wee hours of our morning today from Europe.
5: This boiling water churning above Russian gas pipelines is the result of what Germany, Denmark, and Sweden are now calling attacks which have caused major leaks into the Baltic Sea. The two Nord Stream pipelines are at the center of an energy standoff between Russia and Europe. Denmark and Sweden released striking images a day after the leaks were reported, saying the largest gas leak had caused surface disturbance of around 0.6 miles in diameter. But it remains unclear what or who could have been behind the Nord Stream pipeline leaks. Europe on Tuesday said it was investigating claims of intentional attack leveled by several countries. Poland's foreign minister, Zbigniew Rau pointed fingers at Russia, though without evidence.
2: We are not in a position to reject the
1: notion that this could be an element of Russian hybrid war against NATO. The explosions took place very close to the Danish territorial waters, but not within the Danish territorial waters. Because if this were the case, this would be an intrusion into the NATO territory.
5: Sweden's Prime Minister Magdalena Andersson also expressed concern. We have Swedish intelligence,
6: but we've also received information from our contacts in Denmark and, based on this, concluded that this is probably a deliberate act. It's probably a matter of sabotage.
5: Christopher Botsau is head of Denmark's energy agency. It is very rare that damages of this type occur, and now three damages, have happened within 24 hours, which is why we are very worried about what the reason for this could be. Bocao says it could take a week for gas to stop draining out of Nord Stream 2, that ships could lose buoyancy if they enter the area, and has warned that because the sea surface is full of methane, there is an increased risk of explosions. Western countries imposed sanctions on Russia after they launched what they called a special military operation in Ukraine earlier this year. Moscow slashed its gas deliveries to Europe in retaliation, blaming Western sanctions for causing technical difficulties. But on Tuesday, Moscow also agreed that sabotage was a possibility. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken warned that sabotage was a lose-lose situation. The leaks
7: are under investigation. Um, There are initial reports indicating that uh, this may be the result of an attack or some kind of sabotage, but these are initial reports and we haven't confirmed that yet. But if it is confirmed, that's clearly in, in no one's interest.
5: The escalating energy war between European capitals and Moscow has damaged major Western economies, sent gas prices soaring, and has sparked a hunt for alternative supplies. While neither of the two pipelines currently leaking were in use on Monday, the incidents will sink any remaining expectations that Europe could receive fuel via Nord Stream 1 before winter.
1: So there you heard the perspective of leaders in Europe for what happened. You heard Joe Biden, our president, and uh, a woman in the State Department. I know woman is not a politically correct thing to say regarding gender identity. I get that. But this is far more serious than worrying about gender identity today. Seriously, folks, we could be looking at the potential for World War Three. Just look at what Putin has done. Not what he has threatened, but what he has done in the European nation of Ukraine. Ukraine is basically obliterated. Tens of thousands of people slaughtered. Look what he did to that nuclear plant, the biggest nuclear plant in Europe. He just took it apart. He didn't give a rip about possible uranium poisoning of the the soil of the air, what it might do to other people across Europe. He didn't even think about that. He just went through leveling anything and anybody that got in his way. Now, the Ukrainian people in the military, they're pushing back. They're doing what I would consider a good job, and I'm not a military expert. But you and I both know if Vladimir Putin wanted to end it all in Ukraine in one day, he could in one hour do just that, just by pushing a few buttons. This guy is a realistic threat to go nuclear against anybody on earth that he wants because he's got the number one volume of nuclear missiles on the planet. Our military experts know that, and they've known it for some time. Please understand this. Vladimir Putin knows where every one of our missiles are located. We know where his are located, all but those that are under the surface of the seas around the world and submarines on both sides. There's far more energy and power out there in the way of nuclear missiles, plenty sufficient to destroy the United States and also plenty to destroy Russia and pretty much every other country on the planet. So if you joined us late, this is what happened yesterday. Two pipelines, Nord Stream 1, Nord Stream 2. On the bottom of the Baltic Sea, pipeline that connect Germany with Russia, were both blown up. Don't know why, don't know when, don't know who. But we could be in a bad spot. We got many other things to get to. Of course, President Biden—he's top of the news every day. He's going to be top of the news here today, and other things that are, I guess, basically critical. I mean, when you look at the world around us, we never know what's going on and why what's going on is going on. Former President Barack Obama, he stepped up on a platform yesterday and pretty spooky things that he said. We have him and a whole lot more right here at TNN Live right after this. You get a whole lot of something with farmers' policy perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. (gasps) You can get the claim-free discount, which gives you money off your homeowner's policy if you've been claim-free for three consecutive years. Also applies for three successive years, three years straight, and what's known to insurance fans is the claim-free three-peat. Get a whole lot of something with Farmers Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling 1-800-FARMERS. We are farmers.
5: Bum, 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 bum.
1: Now for the legal something.
5: Not available in every state. Only available to select farmers' branded policies subject to terms and conditions underwritten by farmers, truck, or fire insurance exchanges or affiliate. Have you heard about
6: Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here it's very simple unlike other games no one gets embarrassed blank slate is all about having fun right that's what we want it's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into and if you need proof just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews it's basically selling out so get blank slate now at target barnes and noble or wherever you buy games for over 75 years people have saved money with uh, with
7: Sorry. Here what? we go from the top and action.
3: For over 75 years, people have saved money with Gecko. So Cut it.
7: I'm, what? What did I say?
2: Gecko. I said Gecko. Ah. Oh. For
7: over 75 years.
2: <laughs> Keep it together. I'm good, I'm good.
7: <clears throat> for over 70- 70. <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh.
0: Geico. Saving people money
6: for over 75 years.
7: Don't look at me. Don't look at me.
0: Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select, dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. There's only one Dan Newman. Anymore? Well, that just
1: wouldn't be fair. And, of course, we're fair here at TNN Live. We want to make sure that everybody's got a shot. If you want to take a shot, you want to share your thoughts about the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipeline debacle. Maybe not a debacle yet, but looks like it could be pretty quickly. Um, Give us a a call. 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. Now, I mentioned going into the break, Barack Obama, he um, he came out of wherever it is that he stays, and he had some interesting things to say about this election coming up, as you could imagine he would. Right now, the biggest fuel behind the Republican agenda is related to immigration and the fear that somehow America's character is going to be changed if people of darker shades, there are too many of them here. Obama said that at a meeting of Hispanic realtors in San Diego. He used his divide-and-rule claims of racism to hide public opposition to migration's economic impact, according to his comments that were posted in a report by the San Diego Union-Tribune. Here's what he said. I wish I could be more euphemistic about it, except... They're not that subtle about it. They're just kind of saying it, Obama said. You hear it on hard right media. You hear it from candidates and politicians. You hear things like great replacement theory. I mean, this is not subtle. Unless we're able to return a more inclusive vision inside the Republican Party, it's going to be hard to get a bill done. This is Barack Obama saying that. I thought Presidents, when they leave office, they're supposed to go somewhere and stay out of the public purview. Most presidents do, not the former President Obama. He argued that public opposition to mass migration is more dangerous than government support for the nation-changing migration that has killed thousands of migrants and many, many more Americans. He said this, When you have that kind of rhetoric floating around out there, We've seen throughout history, it's dangerous rhetoric. It's dangerous wherever it appears, and it's dangerous here in the United States. Since January of 2021, Biden and his crew, his border chief, Alejandro Mayorkas, have extracted roughly 3 million migrants from poor countries around the world into our economy through the southern border illegally. They have done it. Our government has done it illegally. You got that? Against constitutional law, against federal law, against dozens of duly passed federal immigration laws, many of which were passed while now President Biden was Senator Biden. And they're just opening up the southern border and saying, come on in. They've also pulled more than $2 legal immigrants, visa workers, white collar illegals through airports, that massive government engineered migration has delivered at least one migrant for every two births that have happened in the United States since January, a year ago. In 2013 and 2014, Obama and Biden used claims of racism to stigmatize Americans' popular opposition to mass migration as they were trying to push the doom gang of eight cheap labor bill through Congress. Now, just listen to what I said. Does that sound like it's something really good for America? Obama and Biden used claims of racism against Republicans to stigmatize anybody that was in opposition to their mass migration and they were trying to push the doomed gang of 8 that's a combination of eight lawmakers four republican and four democrats for a cheap labor bill it has nothing to do with migration it has nothing to do with what they always get this grandiose thing that sounds good when they're on stage we just want to help these people They are coming here wanting to find a better life. They're willing to start from scratch, walking away from everything they had, all their relationships, their families. But they're coming here to make a better life for themselves. We've got to help them. It's called the third rail. This third rail, opposition, is growing. Anti-establishment, multiracial, cross-sex, non-racist, class-based, bipartisan, rational, persistent, and recognizes the solidarity that American citizens owe to one another. You want an example? Well, about half of Hispanics, half of blacks, half of Asians, believe that Biden's global invitation has created an invasion of migrants. That's according to a July poll by Ipsos. The invasion view is mainstream. 58% of white Americans, 40% of Democrats, say Biden's global invite is an invasion. That's according to data released in a poll August 19th by Ipsos. The public's opposition to mass migration is rational because migration imposes vast economic and civic burdens on you and me, ordinary Americans, while at the same time it's boosting in the pockets, more money of the wealthy and powerful here in America. Want an example? Okay, migration spikes the cost of housing. That's great for realtors, but it's a huge burden for young couples who are out there seeking to buy a house, their first house, for their families. Immigration has increased California's population by one-third, maybe more. Sharply as that's happening, increasing competition for good and poor housing amid fast-growing wealth inequality, drug addiction, and homelessness. You know what the median price of a house is in California now? This is unfreaking believable. Median means the average, $725,000. That price is three and a half times as much as it was In 2020, just two years ago, it's three and a half times. That would mean back then in 2020, the median price of a house was under $250,000. And today it's $725,000. Why is this happening? Well, it's the impact of migration on housing prices. Nobody wants to talk about it. You don't hear anybody in the corporate media world talking about it. In fact, you probably are hearing it for the first time, my saying it. Pro-migration groups tout migration as a boon for real estate investors. For example, a 2017 report by the Cato Institute, they say the cost of illegal immigration could be reduced by cutting spending on border enforcement. Here's what the Cato Institute said. If the typical illegal immigration increases the value of all housing unit prices by 11 and a half cents. Then illegal immigrants increase nationwide housing values by about $1 trillion. Now that sounds really, really good. If you are already established, you're living in a home that you bought, you want to see its value go up. But here's the problem. What happens when you want to move? Well, you know, my house that was worth $200,000 two years ago, it's worth three quarters of a million dollars now. I can sell my house for that and I had it financed for whatever it was. I can pay that off. I still got a half a million dollars I can stuff in my pocket. What are you going to do? Are you going to live on the street or go buy something else? When you go buy something else or even go lease something else, you're going to pay out the wazoo. You're not going to get rich in inflation if you don't have cash. Let me repeat that. And it would be better if you didn't have cash. It would be better if you have precious metals like gold and silver. You're not going to get rich because of inflation unless you have a bunch of cash. And there aren't that many Americans that can say they do. Let me just blow your mind about some more immigration stuff that's happening. What kills me is so much of this is lost because the mainstream media don't share it with us. Biden's DHS, Department of Homeland Security, they decided unilaterally they're going to extend temporary amnesty status for thousands of of Burmese nationals living in the U.S. who would otherwise be eligible for deportation. Alejandro Mayorkas, DHS secretary, on Monday, he announced that the Biden administration is going to extend that protected status for 18 more months to nearly 3,300 Burmese nationals that are living in the U.S. Under this extension, he said, and redesignation, Burmese nationals and habitual residents will be eligible to temporarily stay in the U.S. until conditions in the country improve and individuals can safely return. This extension means nearly 1,000 current Burmese beneficiaries will be able to remain in the U.S. through May of 2024. Another 2,300 may become eligible for the same status. Mayorkas first opened this for Burmese Nationals last year as hundreds of thousands of foreign nationals who would otherwise be deportable take advantage of the status, including, by the way, about 343,000 Venezuelans. This whole process serves as a quasi-amnesty for foreign nationals, created under the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1990 that prevents deportation for those from countries experiencing famine, war, or natural disasters. Since the Clinton administration, this process has been reformed into a de facto amnesty program as the Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, and now Biden administrations have continuously renewed the program. For a bunch of different countries. As of 2021, more than 400,000 foreign nationals live in the United States in this status. Nobody's talking about this. What's another couple of million people? You know, that's just, that's like, uh, oh my gosh, that's like eight months in Biden world. It's no big deal. We're a nation of immigrants. Yeah. Yeah. We are all immigrants. I'm not an immigrant. I did not immigrate here. My mom and dad didn't immigrate here. My grandparents didn't immigrate here. Their moms and dads didn't immigrate here. Yeah, when you look over the historical shoulder for you and your family, at some point, it is likely that somebody immigrated here from somewhere else. But you know what? Here's what blows my mind. If these men and women that come up working in government and they somehow take the step across and they get involved in the political world, maybe as a bureaucrat, maybe as running for office, some office in Congress, or maybe even at the state and local level, every one of them swears an oath when they take their office. Every one of them does in principle in all of the oaths, though many of them are slightly different but every one contains a commitment by these people that are going to serve the populations that they represent. Every one of them commits to enforce the rule of law and to uphold the United States Constitution. And yet across the board, leadership in this administration, starting in the White House, they're thumbing their noses at the rule of law and the Constitution and they're doing it because they're the enlightened ones. And of course, they they know way more, far more. They're smarter, and they know way more. They know what's best for everybody that breathes on the planet. And their whole mantra is this, we've got it. We'll take care of you. We know what's best for you, better than even you do. So just come on in, vote for us,
0: yeah. From Krakow to Grand Island, Milan to Hanoi. This is TNN, the Truth News Network.
3: Hello. Hello, sir. I hear you having problems putting together your new kitchen unit. Oh yeah, uh, the instructions say. The the what th- now? The instruction manual. It makes absolutely. Stop <laughs> reading that. Well, what would you suggest I use? I suggest you
1: use the fact you're a man. Guys who got pride never relied on no guide, sucker. I'll give you some step-by-step instructions. (laughs) Buy Snickers, remove wrapper, bite chocolate, and get some nuts.
2: Go to getsomenuts.tv for more Snickers man coaching.
0: Long live the courageous. The tenacious. The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good. The helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to our work and the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last.
1: I'm sitting here and I'm thinking back. I remember the report that we brought, and we've referenced it several times, regarding the criminal acts committed by illegal aliens against just Texans. And I, I during the break, I, I went and tried to grab the specifics. I was gonna give you the exact numbers over what period of time. I do know this. Texas Department of Public Safety released this in a two-year period. 600,000 criminal acts were committed against Texas residents by illegals. And those criminal acts ranged in everything from the bottom of breaking and entering to up at the top. Murder, first degree murder. Six hundred thousand in two years. I don't have in front of me the specific two years, but it's been in the last two uh, that it came from two years in the last five. And all that's okay, simply because we have big hearts. We're Americans. We want anybody and everybody that wants to make a better life and want to do it here. Yeah, we have laws that tell you they welcome you and say, come on in. But there's a process that one million people every year throughout American history have used to come here, immigrate here, and go through that process to legally get citizenship. One million. And the one million is more than if you look at every other country on the planet, all of them combined. In other words, the immigrants that come into every other country on the planet legally every year, our one million that we've done for decades and allowed in, it's more than all of the other countries on earth do every year combined combined, but that's not good enough. We have a a party, a political party that is fed, literally fed by big corporations that make their money by blue collar labor workers. Now, what does that mean? I, I mean, you could, you could even use the R word for talking about it because that means uneducated immigrants that come here, they don't have the ability because of their immigration status. What's their immigration status? They're illegal. So they'll go to work for these big corporations and agricultural construction jobs, maintenance jobs, and the employers pay them in cash so they don't have to go get a registration for a social security number and they're not in the federal system. So the employers don't have to pay matching uh, FICA, And Social Security deductions from payroll don't have to withhold federal taxes. The employers don't have to pay taxes on these people. It's all about money. The love of money is the root of all evil. And there is plenty, plenty of illegality going on. I would think that I would never get shocked by what is done by our government, but I just can't in my mind reconcile how anybody that is supposedly a servant, a public servant for either people that live in their state, people that live in their town and city, people that live in their congressional district, that's who they represent. They're supposed to be up there. They promise to for one thing and one thing only to operate our government for us, We don't work for them. We need to remind them every once in a while. Congressman Mike Johnson was on the show yesterday. He's besides being my congressman. He's a good friend. I remind him regularly. Remember members of Congress. I don't, I don't say, remember Mike, you're on the hook to represent just all of us in the fourth congressional district in Louisiana. I never say it that way, but I remind him public servants should serve the public (laughs) That's kind of simple, maybe too simple to lay that out there. Well, let's go to another sector of things that are important. We hadn't talked about COVID-19 in forever. Why is that? 500 people are dying every day still in the United States from COVID-19 complications. Did you know that? 500. That's a lot of people. Nobody's talking about it. But let me get you set. It's about to get back in your face again, everything to do with COVID-19 vaccines. An advisor to the FDA during an interview two days ago advised young people don't get the recently approved bivalent COVID-19 vaccine booster doses. Why? A lack of human testing. Dr. Paul Offit, a member of the FDA's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee, told CNN over the weekend he isn't convinced that the new Omicron subvariant-specific boosters are going to give you any benefit if you're healthy, and especially if you're a healthy young adult. When you're asking people to get a vaccine, I think there has to be clear evidence of benefit, Dr. Offit said in an on-air interview. We're not going to have clinical studies, obviously, before this launches, but you'd like to have at least human data on people getting the vaccine. You see a clear and dramatic increase in neutralizing antibiotics, and then at least you have a a correlate of protection against Omicron subvariant BA.4 and BA.5. Because if you don't do that, If there's no clear evidence of the benefit, then it's not fair to ask people to take a risk no matter how small that risk is. The benefit should be cleared, Dr. Offit said. A healthy young person is unlikely to benefit from an extra dose. As for how the updated booster compares with the previous monovalent shot, We don't know for sure, he wrote last week in the Wall Street Journal, because the FDA authorized the new shot with no clinical trials. Now, let me ask you this. For months, we covered every Friday the VAERS report, vaccine adverse event. In other words, people around the nation, when they had an adverse event, a really serious thing that happened, With COVID-19, not because of COVID-19, but because of the vaccines that they took that could be tied, these incidents could be tied directly. They are directly a repercussion from adverse reactions from taking vaccines. Knowing all of that, and the numbers are staggering. Haven't talked about it in a while. Let's talk about it right now the report that came out, the VAERS report came out on September 16th. There had been 31,071 deaths directly attributed to vaccines, 178,000 hospitalizations, 136,000 people going to urgent care, a quarter of a million doctor office visits, 10,000 anaphylaxis cases, 16,000 Bell's palsy cases, 5,000 miscarriages, 17,000 heart attacks, 52,000 cases of myocarditis or pericarditis, 58,000 Americans permanently disabled, 9,000 thrombocytopenia low platelet cases, 34,000 with other life-threatening events, 44,000 with severe allergic reactions, and even 15,000 cases of shingles. Now that doesn't sound a lot. We have 340 million million people in America, does it? Doesn't sound like a lot. Well, the, the FDA and the CDC are the first ones to tell us, they're the ones that publish the VARES report, these numbers. They tell us these numbers are way, 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 way low. In fact, they say in many cases, these numbers represent from only two to five percent of the actual cases. In other words, 31,000 people died. It's probably more like 300,000 Americans died with an adverse reaction and died from an adverse reaction to a COVID vaccine. Why, oh why, would any credible medical person or medical entity, especially a, a watchdog group like the CDC, the FDA, They're supposed to take care of us and make sure that anything and everything medical that gets into the marketplace, it's good, it's right, and they've tested it. They get billions of dollars of your taxpayer dollars and mine to go through a process regarding every medication to make sure of what it can do. That's called its efficacy, and to make sure it doesn't do bad things to us. And they're out promoting another COVID booster with not a single clinical trial to back it up. We're just giving you facts, folks. I'm not going to editorialize on that at all. One doctor who aggressively promoted COVID vaccines is now calling for health authorities around the world to pause administration of two of the most widely utilized COVID vaccines, stating that the benefits may not outweigh the risk. There is more than enough evidence, I would say, that evidence is overwhelming to pause the rollout of the vaccine. Dr. Asim Malhotra, a British cardiology, cardiologist and evidence-based medicine expert, he published a paper on September 26, two days ago, that detailed the evidence he found among all of that is a recent re-analysis of the Pfizer and Moderna clinical trials that concluded vaccinated trial participants were at higher risk of serious adverse events. Have you heard about that? Did you hear what I just said? Recipients of Pfizer and Moderna vaccinations in clinical trials, it was concluded Vaccinated trial participants were at higher risk of serious adverse events from the vaccines. And Dr. Malhotra called that study a smoking gun. He also pointed to the lack of reduction in mortality or even severe disease in the trials which were completed all the way back in 2020. If you take account the death rates and other numbers since then, The number of people who need to be vaccinated to stop a single COVID-19 death ranges from 93,000 for people between ages 18 to 29 to 230 for people aged 80 and above. The author of this story also noted serious side effects have been detected after the trials like myocarditis, which is a form of heart inflammation overall looking at the absolute benefits and drawbacks of the COVID vaccines. It's time to halt their usage and allow authorities and other experts to catch up. Catch up by closely examining the data to see if the vaccines should even be used again down the road. You don't hear much about this stuff. It's like the pandemic's over. So we don't even need to talk about anything to do with COVID-19, right? Well, moving on and away from COVID land, there's still a bunch of stuff. I mean, there are so many moving parts to everything. The top of the mind has got to be this mess going on with the sabotage. I don't know another word to use that... It even sounds like what really happened to Nord Stream 1 and 2 yesterday, but apparently both of those pipelines from Russia to Germany blew up. And it wasn't accidental because they were blown up in three different locations on each pipeline. So it was purposeful, obviously. Sabotage, whatever they want to call it. And governments on both sides of the pond, here in North America and then over in Europe, they're finger-pointing, and I'm sure, even though we haven't heard anything, I keep looking during breaks, we haven't heard anything from Vladimir Putin, I guarantee you, he's not real happy. And he wants to know who to nuke over what happened yesterday because it really cut off a massive amount of financial profit for the Russian dictator because Russia controlled both Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2. I'm sure he'll say something. I I can't see him going through another day. He didn't say anything about it that I could find in research yesterday. But I assure you sometime today, he's gonna raise his head and say something. And whatever he says, it's gonna be epic. And it's gonna be a big deal to all of us. Gender critical feminist. I hate to cover these stories. Gender-critical feminist. Who came up with that term? Gender-critical. Of course, we know what a feminist is. Gender-critical feminists who defend sex-based distinctions in law are facing another round of deplatforming. And this time, lawyers, their lawyers, are getting involved. The Women's Liberation Front got kicked off of idealist. That's a twenty-six-year-old nonprofit that posts job listings, volunteer opportunities, and even grad school programs less than three weeks after joining this month. The crowdfunding platform Give Butter locked out Wolf from its 50 states for sex based rights campaign this spring. Not all gender critical removals stick. Following a query by Just the News back in January, YouTube restored one activist undercover videos that showed gender clinics admitting to performing genital surgeries on minors who self-identify as the opposite sex. The removals are a lower visibility counterpart to the high-profile financial deplatforming of U.S. and U.K. gay rights groups that oppose dominant strains of advocacy in the LGBTQ movement, particularly in the bullseye or transgender issues. In one email that Wolf shared with Just the News, Idealist Executive Director Ami Dar told Wolf Wednesday that its public-facing content does not fall within our community guidelines. The decision required much thought, Dar said, refunding the group's paid job ad. Wolf Executive Director Mari Irvine asked how its listing for a policy director whose work is for regulatory and legislative advocacy violated community guidelines, which that's the one that all the social platforms use. Oh, you violated our community standards. Well, what standard did you violate? Oh, you just violated all of them. And so here we go. It's identity politics. It's identity gender. It doesn't matter what your biology says you are regarding male, female sex. It doesn't matter anything in your life. Everything has to evolve around what gender you feel you are. Not what biology says. Not what you've practiced throughout your life. If it's convenient for you to remain in the gender you are right now, then go ahead, fly by the seat of your pants. But there's probably a better way to get ahead in your life if you'll go the transgender route. I'm serious. I'm serious. We are all seeing sports, women's sports being just ripped to pieces because biological men have found that they can get away with bans without being banned from participating in female sports. And I got to tell you, there are a lot of really good female athletes out there in every particular sport, no question about it. But if you put somebody that's experienced, that's a male, a biological male, you put them in the circle with biological women, that guy's going to win every time. And I always say this, I get laughed at and people say, you need to stop it. If it quacks and waddles, it's a duck. And just because you don't want to call it a duck doesn't mean it's not a duck. It means it it's not a duck or it is a duck. And you just want, you don't want to admit it. You got some other reason for it. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember Eric Bowling, B-O-L-L-I-N-G? He was actually a rising star over at Fox News till a couple of years ago. He got caught up in a apparently a really ugly sexual deal with a bunch of different people. I think it was with people that worked with him at Fox News, but he got canned. He went across the street, and he came to Newsmax Television when they began the, their broadcast process. He's got a show called The Balance, a daily show. Here's what Eric Bolin had to say about one of his former Fox compadres that is a lightning rod, Tucker Carlson. Bolin said this yesterday about Tucker. Tucker Carlson is an alleged American, an alleged American. Why would he do that? Bolin said it's because of his coverage, Tucker's coverage of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Eric quoted here, I'm going to give you a disclaimer folks, before you come at me, me all over this. I'm very worried about a world war, a nuclear world war three where nobody wins. So when I see a fellow conservative making statements that could incite a world war, a nuclear war, I have to call him out. He's talking about Tucker. He continued when I see our arch enemy, Russia, And the sociopath Putin using that same conservative as propaganda, you should know about it and maybe get to him and tell him to stand down because in all things, nuclear caution up front is the best way to avoid total annihilation at the back of these issues. And then Bolin said this, turns out Russia's state media is using clips of Fox News' Tucker Carlson to support Vladimir Putin's war efforts in Ukraine. That's Russian state media using Tucker Carlson, alleged American, as propaganda to make their case that Russia is the victim, not the aggressor. Bowling concluded, last Thursday, Tucker again blamed Ukraine for starting the war, and he continues to claim America should cut off all funds and military support to Ukraine. Why would you bring this, this thing out today, Dan? I wanted to weigh in and tell you what my perspective is. Just because you may be a conservative. You may be a conservative without being a member of the Republican Party. I'm one of those. I'm registered as an independent, but I am, I think, far more conservative than are most of the people in the Republican Party today. That's a story for another day. But we tend to just swallow hook, line, and sinker. Things that we are told by our party leaders, other conservatives in leadership, because to be quite honest with you, the thought of having our leaders misrepresent facts to us is really scary and very few conservatives want to think about it. And if you ever say anything, kind of like Bowling did here, you're a conspiracy theorist. And when you get labeled as that, every other issue that comes out of your mouth, every story you write, every social media message that you send, it's because you're a conservative, you're an evil Republican, you're a racist, a homophobe, a transphobe. All of those rolled into one, and they immediately discredit anything and everything you ever say. All that, let me tell you this, if you're a regular here at TNN Live, When the Russian invasion of Ukraine happened, I raised my hand and said, this smells, this smells. And the reason I said that is because because of Joe Biden's son, you know, the smartest man in the world, Hunter Biden, and all the crap that he's gone through and put us through. The door was open for people that research, and I am one of those to look into exactly what was going on in Ukraine and what's going on in Ukraine today and what was going on in Ukraine before Vladimir Putin's invasion. I will tell you this. Leaders in the nation of Ukraine, and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody specifically, it is full of corrupt politicians, and it always has been. Ukraine is known as being the most wicked, evil country in Europe and has been for decades. Now, where does this come from, Dan? Let me just take you back to the end of World War II. You remember the famous Nuremberg trials that happened? All of uh, Hitler's right-hand henchmen were all put on trial. Many of them were executed, but a bunch of them were sent away. Never to be seen again. Guess where almost all of those people went? They went to Ukraine. They settled down in Ukraine and they've been there. They have families and their philosophies, their political philosophies, they didn't just overnight turn the switch off. They were Nazis in World War II. They're Nazis still, those of them that are alive today, almost all of them are still Nazis. And so they have been there long enough to really get engaged in a lot of government issues in Ukraine. Many of them are in the government and have been in the government of Ukraine. Now, remember Vladimir Putin was a KGB agent in the old Soviet union, and he was a high up guy there. They in Russia have always despised Nazis and Nazism, anything and everything to do with it. I'm not going to go into a political lesson or anything like that. But Vladimir Putin, just like most other people in leadership in Russia, they don't they, they don't listen to, they don't believe anything that anybody in Ukraine in government has to say because they don't believe that they're legitimate. They believe that they are Nazis and that they believe in Nazism and all of the horrors that happened in World War II. All that being said, I think it is a stretch for anybody to point a finger at anybody in media specifically and call them an alleged American. Bowling may not like Tucker, and obviously. You know, based upon what he said on air, he doesn't. But just because Eric Bolling says somebody is this or somebody is that, that doesn't mean they really are, does it? It just means that's one man's opinion. My opinion is about Ukraine. There's far more that we don't know about Ukraine, its financial structure, its political leadership, other than the president, Vladimir Zelensky who I thought from the very beginning of the war, he was a hero, and he may have been. But my point is, there's far more there than you and I know. And so when somebody comes up and says something against Ukraine or any other country that you don't know anything about, don't just play the default trump card. And the trump card would be to tell them just to shut up or you just turn them off. You don't want to listen to them. You don't believe anything they have to say. What we should be doing is following the facts of everything that's important in our worlds, even politics. But don't rely on somebody else to spoon feed you anything about politics. You need to dig in. Dig in. Follow. Research. Get to know people on both sides of your political aisle. Doesn't matter if you're Republican. Doesn't matter if you're Democrat or in between or even if you're far left, like Attila the Hun, wherever you stand, you owe it to yourself to get the truth. And you can find it, or at least get close to it, on everything in Ukraine. So I'm challenging you now. If you're one of those people that have just benignly looked at what the nation has done under Joe Biden for Ukraine, the fact that now we have ponied up with 80 Billion dollars in aid for Ukraine, 80 billion. That's more than we've ever given any other country. And then remain, uh, remember back, let's circle back to the beginning of all of this. The very infamous involvement of our president's son in Ukraine that it, it counted for and it involved millions of dollars, millions of dollars that we know about. How much more do we not know about? Is President Biden on the hook to keep sending money to Ukraine? Is he being blackmailed? Why would we send $80 billion worth of cash, much of which was used and is being used to keep the government of Ukraine working? How much of that that we've sent? I'm talking about the cash. How much of that has gone in people, politicians' pockets over there? That's what Ukraine is known for. Burisma Holdings, that company on which Hunter Biden served on their board, it's been known for decades as the evilest international company in Ukraine. <laughs> and we're supposed to just believe that Hunter Biden was there making fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a month just to serve on their board? That that was because he was a great leader, a corporate leader, and he knew so much about natural gas and the oil industry. He knew nothing about any of that. So what could the possibilities be? Just saying, before you draw conclusions, objectively look at every piece of what you're considering making a choice and a decision about don't just believe What somebody says that you believe in them. Look at what's said. Look at the facts. That's what we got to do, folks. Northern Tool and Equipment.
4: My girlfriend has given me a pet name.
1: I'm afraid to ask.
4: Snuggle Muffin.
6: No, it isn't.
4: And she uses it in public.
6: Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky.
4: I couldn't do that.
6: I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower.
4: Got it. Here she comes.
0: Hey, Snuggle Ma- What are you doing, Snuggle- Snuggle-
6: I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky.
0: There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve.
2: Northern Tool and Equipment. What is Coca-Cola? Is it an excuse to get together? Since 1886, Coca-Cola has been passing on smiles from generation to generation we've been giving kids scholarships like the early birds and the all-nighters. And you get to enjoy what matters most. Coca-Cola. Drink up.
1: Out for some lays and you face a test Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion Smoky pork, Better sour cream, salt and vinegar too You sample them
0: all Cause the crisp is so good on your lips Yeah You left your wallet at home But now you have a new best friend The many flavors of Lay's chips One taste and you're in love Conservative thought, not just talk At
1: TNN, the Truth News Network
0: And again, Dan Newman
1: A lot of talk going on here A lot of looking into things and coming up with answers. We have in Louisiana our very own Mark Twain. We really do. He is the Mark Twain of our generation. Of course, I'm talking about U.S. Senator John Kennedy. He is one of the elder statesmen of the United States citizen. Yesterday, Jesse Waters, he got face-to-face with the senator talking about People. Just talking about people. And I thought it'd be cool for you to listen in and hear what the senator, our Mark Twain, John Kennedy, had to say to Jesse Waters.
7: Senator John Kennedy is a Judiciary Committee member who joins us now. (laughs) You could just punch a hole through a woman's face. Broad daylight here in Midtown, after stabbing a woman with a screwdriver... And murdering your grandmother, and it's like, oops, how did that happen, Senator? I wonder why.
3: Jesse, it's uh, it's always been a mystery to me how some people made it to the top of the food chain. Um, I, I'm I'm talking about our woke leaders um, here in D.C. and and in in some of our major cities, who persist. In advocating defunding and disrespecting the police, and uh, and other such um, dumbassery, uh, I, I think I think most most Americans understand that there's some people in this world. I don't know why. If I make it to heaven, I'm going to ask. But there's some people in this world who aren't sick. They aren't mixed up. They're not confused. It's not that their mother or father didn't love them enough. They're just antisocial. Uh, they hurt other people and they take other people's stuff and we need cops to stop them. Now, if if we want to get control uh, of this crime problem that we have, we're going to have to do a couple of things. Number one, we're going to have to hire more cops. New Orleans, in my state, needs 2,000 cops on the street. We've got less than 1,000. Number two, we're going to have to pay our cops. You're not going to get cops to work in this woke environment without paying them. Number three, and this might be the most important, our political leaders need to stand behind our cops. Um, Law enforcement cops have about 60 million encounters every year with the American people. Do some of them go bad? Sure. Are there cases of, of police brutality? A handful, and they're almost always prosecuted. The truth is that most cops will leave you alone unless you do illegal stuff. And our political leadership has got to stand behind them. Um, number four, we, we've got to get rid of these prosecutors who, whose mantra is see no evil, hear no evil, prosecute no evil. And, and number five, I would tell people um, if you care to, Uh, Avail yourself of your privileges under the Second Amendment. Mm -hmm. Now, I've said this before, and I mean it. I I believe love is the answer. I do. But I also own a handgun just in case. (laughs) Um, Most Americans understand, our woke leaders don't, that what you allow is what will
7: continue. Could I add just one? We have to tell the truth, Senator. I don't know about you, but I didn't see any guys wearing MAGA hats, breaking the woman's face, pistol whooping the small business owner and carjacking that family in their driveway. I I, I could be wrong. Maybe I missed the red hat. But all I hear about is this MAGA crime wave, and I haven't seen it. Have you?
3: No, and and it's not a a, a MAGA crime wave. It is a crime wave that has been caused Let me say it again by this. We've got to defund and disrespect the police. Look, we've got political leaders in this country who think cops are a bigger problem than criminals. You're right. They do. They think cops are guilty until proven innocent.
7: What you allow is what will continue. Yeah. I mean, when you think the prisons and the police are wrong, that's, that's not Can a good I say starting one point.
3: point. Can yeah, real, I say one quick, more sure. thing, Jesse? Yep. Real quickly, if you like what I, you've heard tonight, would you go to my website, johnkennedy.com, and try to help me out? If you don't like what you've heard me say tonight, I hope you'll keep it to yourself.
7: It's <laughs> good advice. Thank you very much, <laughs> Senator Kennedy.
1: Uh, you know, we, we have him on our show a lot, Senator Kennedy. And it's because what he says... It almost always makes perfect sense. And he is one of the spokespeople for everyday Americans. He gets it. I know him personally. He is, uh, in person, he's just like you heard there. He thinks very succinctly, very simply. He's a brilliant man. I'm not even sure. I don't think he's an attorney. He was the Louisiana State Treasurer for a long time. That's when I met him, when he was running for re-election as the state treasurer. There were many people that thought he was going to run for governor. And my personal opinion is if he ran, I think he would win. But he's a U.S. senator, one of the most conservative, and he's outspoken. I think it is critical for America and Americans to elect people that go to Washington, D.C. that are very outspoken, that are very clear and succinct when they say what they say instead of sticking their thumbs that they've licked out in the air every day when they walk out in the morning to find out which way the political winds are blowing that day and that of course is going to be the way in the things there that they support that day it's not about fitting in it's about service and serving and it's not just about politics. You just heard the examples that Jesse Waters and John Kennedy talked about. Everybody, these criminals that are getting away, doing stupid, crazy things, hurting people, stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars of goods, breaking into stores in the middle of the day, jewelry stores, breaking in with hammers, breaking display cases, and stealing millions of dollars worth of jewelry and it seems to be there's no accountability and when there's no accountability even for your little kids you got a one-year-old little boy or girl you have to teach them now that when they disobey or even when they do th- something stupid that you warned them don't do it when they do whatever that is they got to understand there's a price to pay for what you do. There's a price to pay for everything that you do, everything I do. And it's been around for far longer than even Joe Biden. It came back in Genesis, the eighth chapter, the 23rd verse. After God flooded the earth, he had a little get together, a sit down with Noah. Noah and Noah's family are the only ones that survived that flood. And God basically said, no, check it out for yourself. Genesis eight twenty-three. God told Noah, man, I kind of did it. I stepped in it, but here's what I'm going to do. Noah. I'm going to promise you as long as the earth exists, I'll never flood the earth again. Never do that again. And by the way, there are a couple of other things that will never change as long as the earth exists. There'll always be winter and summer. There'll always be hot and cold. There will always be light and dark. And there will always be reap and sow. Now of those four things God promised Noah, the only one of those four that humans can have any input into the results, it comes from their input into the process. And that's the reap and sow principle. When you plant watermelon seeds, watermelons grow every time. I promise you, but In our lifetimes, in mine, especially when I was younger, I wanted to find a shortcut to be very successful in business. And I thought the way to do it was to find the best shortcut. I found out it doesn't work that way. The odds are against anybody that goes down that road because you've got to put seed in the ground to make whatever you want to grow, make it grow. It's not going to grow by accident. And if you put something in the ground that's not good, (laughs) it's going to grow to be exactly what it is, the seed that you put in the ground. Don't expect to get something else other than what you plant. That's just the facts. That's the way it works. And we can't get around that. We need to quit trying. It impacts us and everybody else in our lives. We need to stop doing that. We need to understand, plant, plant smart, and plant the things that you've got to see grow in your life, in your business, in your relationships, in your family, everybody with whom you interact. Sow the right seed. Have you noticed, like me, that all of a sudden, I mean, for two or three months, everybody even on the left, in politics. They were all saying midterms elections, it's going to be a red wave. Democrats are going to lose the House. Democrats got a good shot at losing the Senate. And Republicans are they are just soaring in races in the polls. And then all of a sudden, the last week, oh my gosh, it looks like there's a shot. Democrats can keep the House. And it does look like we're going to, as Republicans, be able to win control of the Senate. Why does this happen? It happens every midterm election. Robert Kahaley who's founder of the polling firm, the Trafalgar Group, said during an interview over the weekend that pollsters in recent years have been unsuccessful because they have tried to affect the electorate rather than reflect the electorate. Let me explain. By the way, Cahaley's firm, the Trafalgar Group, was one of two that successfully predicted Trump would beat Hillary Clinton back in 2016. Cahaley said that attempting to manipulate election race outcomes is a leading reason for polling being off ahead of the 2016, the 2018, and the 2020 elections. It's the goal of the poll to reflect the electorate or is the goal of the poll to affect the electorate? In other words, change people's minds. A lot of these guys are trying to affect it. He said, there's no other explanation for how fundamentally wrong they have been since 2016, 2018 and 2020. And they still these media companies and universities still have the same people doing these polls. So if the failure doesn't get you fired, then they'd fail. Or was their goal to kind of create a narrative that their university or their media company was behind? Again, none of them got replaced. So you go, wait a minute. Maybe they didn't fail. Maybe we're mistaken to think their goal is to get it right. So let's just start thinking that way. So what's this Trafalgar Group all about? It's a Georgia-based company. It earns a high A-minus rating from election analyst 538, and it's become known for polling top battleground state races in a very simple and brief style. Kahaley said that in addition to pollsters seeking to affect races, long questionnaires, which are the opposite of what Trafalgar uses, or an accuracy death nail. He said, one of the things that we think automatically skews your poll the wrong way long questionnaires. These guys, they have this model. It's been passed down from generation to generation. They've written all their books about it. They believe you have to ask these long questionnaires. Well, what I will tell you in 2022, frankly, in 2016, people have lives. Nobody answers the phone and says, oh, yeah. I'll be glad to answer 45 questions, not normal people. The number one question we get is, how long is this going to take? You lose normal people. The poll responses are more limited with long questionnaires. Kahaley noted that respondents end up being people who care too much on the right or too much on the left or people who are bored. Cahaley said his firm also uses a number of channels for poll data collection, including text and email, which fits into everybody's modern lifestyle. Another mistake he sees, they don't allow people ways to participate that meet their lifestyle. So this reliance on just live or automated calls, first of all, I'm not a big believer in and automated because it's pretty much just going to landlines, he said. Tell me who still has a landline telephone. The polling model is broken. People are different than they've always been. They're not sitting around the parlor waiting on the phone to ring to take a political survey. Trafalgar gets it right. There were two polling entities that got it right, the 26 election results. Two of them. One was his, Cahaly's Trafalgar group. The other one was the political science department poll from the University of Southern California, USC. The only polling entities that got it right. They were off so much. You know, Real Clear Politics, if you don't ever go to Real Clear Politics, you need to. Great stories, but they put together every day a compilation of the polls that are fresh that day and represent the people. They put them out there every day. And so election day, 2016, I screenshotted real clear politics, polling results for everybody. And the only two out of more than 30 polling entities, the only two that got Donald Trump, the winner was Trafalgar, and the University of Southern Cal Political Science Department. I, I don't understand Southern Cal. I happen to know as one of the most liberal schools in America. It's actually bumping gums with the one that's up, California. The University of California at, and I just went blank, suburb of Oakland, suburb of San Francisco. What is it? What is it? starts with a B. I'll think about it during the break. (laughs) And I've got something you need to hear about this college loan forgiveness thing. Oh, my gosh. It just keeps coming back around. Nobody, nobody thought that Biden's doing this trying to get votes for the midterm Democrats. You know, let's go spend a billion, uh, maybe a couple of billion. No, maybe close to a trillion dollars in taxpayer money and cancel, forgive student debt? Yeah. You're gonna hear about that. I gotta be honest with you, it isn't gonna happen because it's unconstitutional. But still, there are people out there that believe it and there are people that are still trying to sell it.
0: When you're fed up with the nagging heartburn of today's lies, how do you spell relief?
1: CNN,
0: the Truth News Network.
1: So I told you we were going to um, wade into this Biden college student loan forgiveness thing. If you're a regular, you've heard me weigh in on this a lot. I uh, I think it is the absolute worst thing this president could ever do as president. Why? Because it negatively impacts everybody. It impacts the people that made these loans, that owe this money. It impacts the people that decided because they didn't have the money, didn't want to take out the loans. Instead of going to college, they'd go to trade school or they'd go into business on their own. But they never borrowed money to go to school. Therefore, they never had the debt. Therefore, they never are going to get that kind of relief from the federal government. There's so many moving parts. It makes absolutely no sense. Other than for political purposes, to get some brownie points with voters, for the upcoming midterms that are five weeks away. But if you were here on Tuesday, you heard me ask Congressman Mike Johnson about student loan debt forgiveness. And I asked him, is it legal for a president to do that? He said, absolutely not. And there would be very shortly a bunch of lawsuits that would be filed against that whole plan as soon as Joe Biden initiated it. Well, guess what? The first lawsuit, it's done. The damages are pretty clear. He is going to be stuck with a tax
2: bill that he didn't ask for, uh, for this cancellation that he doesn't want, that's going to put him in worse position than if, if nothing happened.
6: Brian Brenberg is a professor of business and economics at the King's College in Manhattan. He joins me now. Brian, this is wild. Let's pop up on the screen the states that are going to tax this quote-unquote debt forgiveness from the federal government. You got Indiana, North Carolina, Mississippi confirmed they will tax Joe Biden's student loan handout. At least four other states will weigh similar rules. Brian, how did the White House not anticipate that their debt (laughs) forgiveness plan could actually hurt these borrowers (laughs) come tax time? They didn't anticipate anything
7: with this plan. There are unintended consequences as far as the eye can see, but they don't think through any of that. They just think about the immediate political impact, which they thought would be good. I love there's a lawsuit here. I love the fact that somebody's challenging this and saying, This is a bad idea. I'm going to have to pay more. May we have more of those lawsuits. We have an administration that refuses to think through the consequences of its actions, especially on the economy, which is why we're stuck with
6: all the issues we're stuck with right now. Here's a word salad defense from the White House on this. Take a listen.
4: Opponents of the Biden-Harris administration student loan plan are trying to stop it because they know it will provide much needed, again, relief for for working families. Anyone who does not want to to give that debt relief can choose to opt out.
6: Okay. Well, first of all, that answer makes no sense. But moving beyond that to these lawsuits, the lawsuit we just started out with is a very specific tax-related lawsuit. Yeah. Bigger picture, Brian, shouldn't all these suits against the Biden administration succeed because the president cannot unilaterally, with the stroke of a pen, pen via well, an executive action, do this? I don't know how this is
7: constitutional. I mean, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but there's no way that the president of the United States can make a half trillion dollar right. decision about somebody else's debt, Todd. It's ridiculous. And the the president, no, I mean, the president himself has admitted this in the past that he can't do it. But guess what? We get close to midterms, and all of a sudden he says, You know, what? forget about the Constitution, let's just <laughs> do it because I need to help. It's, it's insane the kind of economic policy we get in this country. It's not in any way attached to the reality people deal with, it's only made in respect of the president's sense of what he needs to do
6: to try to stay in office. I get so fired up when we do these bailout segments, I run out of breath because I I'm so exasperated with what the White <laughs> breathe, House is doing. Todd. You got to breathe. <laughs> okay, let's get to this. New analysis showing the Fed's war on inflation could cost the economy at least one million jobs. There it is on your screen. But, Brian... Isn't that what the Fed wants? Don't they want lower employment in order to lower inflation? That's why they're doing this? Here's what's going
7: on. The Fed messed this up royally, and now they've got to move fast. And when you move fast, you break things. That's why you don't let inflation get out of control. Because if you do, then you start talking about these big rate hikes. They know they've got to raise rates. They don't know how much damage it's going to cause. They're having to admit now that it's going to cause damage. But they don't know. They don't know the future yes, this could be a million jobs. This could be multiple times that, depending on how the markets react and businesses react to it. I
6: think you highlighted the key thing. Nobody really they don't knows know. what's going to happen. Y- y- they,
7: they put out these projections and say unemployment's going to go to 4.4%. How do they know that? What models do they have that can really... If they knew that well, they wouldn't have let inflation get out of control. Stop trusting the so-called experts and bureaucrats and government to get this right. They should have done their job in the first place, but they didn't because they were playing politics with the administration. They weren't doing their job as a Fed.
6: Brian Bremberg, as always, thank you. Deep breath. Good to see (laughs) you. Carly, over to you.
1: So, (laughs) everybody has got an opinion about it, and it just isn't going to work. It's not constitutional. We played, uh, I guess two weeks ago, we played a video of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi in 2021, just a year ago, when she was asked in a public hearing if President Biden had the authority to cancel forgive student debt. She made it very clear in these words. She said, no president has the authority to forgive any kind of debt whatsoever. They can postpone some payments and interest payments but they cannot forgive the debt that would happen if it was going to happen it would happen only if the u.s house of representatives initiated a bill and passed it and then sent it to the senate and they also passed it it would have to happen that way no other way is legal but yet here's joe biden our president and he's still telling everybody Hey, 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 I'm going to forgive the student debt of thousands of people. Talk about a divider-in-chief. Oh, my gosh. He is so obvious in what he does and says. Everything he does is politicized purposefully. I mean, that's what he is through and through, a politician. So Amy Klobuchar, you remember her? Way back in... uh, the election cycle, she ran for president. She's a Minnesota senator. She is being mocked today after she implied that Democrat policies could help prevent hurricanes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, I'm serious. Social media folks, they went after Klobuchar after she essentially suggested during a TV appearance Democrat policies could help prevent hurricanes. She was on MSNBC's morning show. Oh, my gosh. Joe Scarborough and Mika talk about nothing in the way of uh, news and information, folks. MSNBC's morning show, to be honest with you, it is the worst political talk show in American history. But anyway, she went on the show. She bragged that Democrats just did something about climate change for the first time in decades. That's why we've got to win this. As that hurricane bears down on Florida, we got to win in the midterms. We've got to win, she said, implying that Democrat policies would help prevent extreme weather. Because there's no known Democrat policy that has stopped a hurricane, Klobuchar's remark prompted everybody to go nuts on social media. Did Amy Klobuchar just suggest voting for Democrats will stop hurricanes? That's one tweet. Senator Amy Klobuchar bizarrely suggested voting for Democrats in 2022 will somehow stop hurricanes. That's from somebody tweeting that that's named Tea Party Patriots. Hurricanes or Democrats? What's more destructive? (laughs) One user said, Amy Klobuchar is the woman who ate her salad with a comb. So don't be surprised that she thinks Democrats can stop hurricanes. Wow, very weird, another user said. Taking credit for controlling the weather? Wow, that's a far reach even for a Democrat. And then if you vote for Democrats, Florida will not get hit by this hurricane. That's from one that said, vote for me and I'll change the weather. Klobuchar's comments came as Florida is right now today. Right now today. It's about to be blown away by Ian. We need to do this. We need to hold up in prayer our fellow citizens down in Florida. This may be one of the biggest and most devastating hurricanes to ever hit Southwest Florida. Why is that? You know, there hadn't been a direct hit by a hurricane on Tampa in over 70 years. They've dodged a bullet. The The left side of the boot, the left side of it, is the most vulnerable for flooding. And those cities like Tampa, Tampa St. Petersburg, Sarasota, built on the water on the west side of Florida. And when a hurricane comes around, instead of going up across uh, maybe skirting South Florida, in many cases, turning north and missing the Gulf and missing Florida. When they go across Cuba and they turn up and then start going east, the flood, they're talking about flood surge in Tampa today, potentially 18 feet. And if you know anything about Tampa, its downtown is built on the water. If that happens the entire city will be underwater. We need to pray for those. In fact, will you tolerate? Let me pray with them right now on air. Father, we thank you because we know you care about all of those in the state of Florida and what they're facing. I pray that there would be no devastation, no loss of human lives. I pray that leaders in the state of Florida would get from you the right things to say, the right things to do. And let it not be politicization. Let it be the best things to save people's life and to minimize the destruction of Hurricane Ian. Thank you because we know you care. Thank you because we know you listen. And because we're your kids. We don't get it right all the time, Lord. But in this case, there's nothing anybody can do about it on earth. Even Senator Klobuchar but you can. We pray you would limit the damage of this horrible hurricane. In your name we pray, amen. Now let's go from a prayer right on over to a show that I, I, I just hate to talk about. But every once in a while, there's something that they do or say that is just, you, you can't ignore it. I'm talking about The View. The View. That show's been around forever. Barbara wawa Barbara Walters started it. it. It turned out, or it originally was supposed to be a, a real new show that gave information, and it turned into a far-left daytime talk show in which three or four far-leftists get on there every day and pontificate about the latest Democrat policies and the things Democrats hate. that change every day, but they they talk about it, and they denigrate anybody and everybody that disagrees with them. So co-host Sonny Hostin, she ripped into Republican co-host Anna Navarro and Alyssa Farah Griffin on Monday. Why'd she do it? For sticking with the Republicans. At one point, directly calling the latter, the Republican Party, complicit for working in the Donald Trump White House. She's talking directly to Alyssa Farah Griffin, who worked in the Trump White House. The hosts were talking about the possibility of a third political party when Sonny Hostin, who was often critical of the GOP, hosts the show in spite of their staunch anti-Trump stances, wondered why they didn't just leave the Republican Party. Sonny said, I reject the framing that is it about three parties. I think the framing is the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. You can also be an independent, so there are three options. But if you remain in the Republican Party, given what you've seen and given what you know, are you complicit and is it better to leave the party and become independent, she said. Well, Navarro, Anna Navarro, pushed back and said she was a registered Republican who donates to Democrats who she believes are better. Hostin said, you stumped for Biden. Navarro worked for Biden's Florida Outreach in 2020. I argue and call out the people who have lost their principles and who I think have lost their way in defending what I thought were Republican values. So, I mean, the question is, do you PO from inside the tent or from outside, Navarro said. And I truly think you do it from outside. I mean, you certainly were complicit. You worked there. Hostin responded, turning to Farrah Griffin. Farah Griffin asked Hostin if she'd rather have someone like Navarro trying to reform the party from inside. There's going to be a Republican Party, whether you want there to be or not, so wouldn't you want someone who's sober-minded and sound and more aligned with you? Farah Griffin asked. Hostin replied she didn't believe it was effective strategy. She attacked Latino Republicans and said they were voting against their own self-interest when they vote Republican. That's what's so interesting to me, that there are so many Latinos that vote Republican because they vote against their own self-interest. If you are really interested in these types of issues, then you're a Democrat. Identity politics of the worst kind. That's what you just heard. Hostin has called out Navarro as well as Lindsey Granger, a Republican who appeared on the show multiple times last season, for one thing and one thing only. They're Republicans. Sunny Hostin said, I don't understand either of you, she told Granger and Navarro back in May. I don't understand black Republicans, and I don't understand Latino Republicans. She also said this, black Republicans... Were an oxymoron. Now let me just say this. Now Sunny Hostin is an African American woman. If any white person, any white person, said any of that, would they be immediately excoriated? <laughs> you know they would. Hey folks, that's a wrap on Wednesday. Thank you for being here. Listen. It's going to be a big week. Pray for those people down in Florida. They don't deserve what they're getting, weather that is out of their control. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great one.
5: Ciao